Now on a special edition of In Focus, the debate over reopening Indiana's economy and my one-on-one -on -one conversation with Indiana Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, who faced controversy this week for statements comparing the economic and public health risks. Plus, we hear from the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus and candidate for governor Dr. Woody Myers and Republican State Party Chair Kyle Hupfer and Democratic State Party Chair John Zodi on the changing plans for Indiana's primary election and this summer's party conventions. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. When will Indiana's economy reopen? That's the big question this week as Governor Holcomb says he's targeting early May while announcing a partnership with other Midwestern states and extending our stay-at-home order until May 1st with some signs of progress on the horizon. Our Brett Cast has more. The president outlined his plan to reopen the American economy, saying the worst is behind us. Based on the latest data, our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war. The plan will happen in phases on a state or county basis after states see steady progress in symptoms, cases and hospital resources. In order to even consider getting into the phasing, you have to pass a hurdle. The first phase would start after two weeks of a decrease in cases and would still promote telework and limit non-essential travel. But it would resume elective surgeries and allow places like gyms or sit-down dining to reopen if they follow strict distancing guidelines. No matter what phase you're in, there are certain fundamental things that we've done that are not like it was in September and October. The second phase starts after another 14-day decrease and would allow for schools to reopen along with bars at a limited capacity. Then after another 14 days, the third phase would open all businesses and allow visits to senior homes, but still encourage Americans to limit time spent in crowded places. It won't go from zero to 100 or it won't be like flipping on a light switch. As for when this could start in Indiana, Governor Holcomb didn't give a date, but said it's coming soon. I'm not putting a May 1 date out there or May 2 or May 7 or May 8, but but uh, but we are thinking early May. Governor Holcomb, along with the governors of Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio and Kentucky are working together as a region, hoping to hit the ground running come May. So that is the big question. Now, when can we reopen parts of our state's economy? That question is no easy answer. As one Indiana congressman discovered this week, it can also be a pretty controversial topic. I spoke with Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, who made national news this week for some controversial remarks he made calling the risk of coronavirus the lesser of two evils compared to the economic risks. Do you regret what you said about the loss of life being the, quote, lesser of two evils? Look, I think when you look at the entirety of my statement, what what I was trying to convey is ultimately we have to recognize that there is economic cost. I'm hearing from Hoosiers every single day that are worried about feeding their families in the future. There's real freedom costs. I'm hearing from anxious Hoosiers that feel like we can no longer go to church anymore. We have to recognize that there is real risk and cost to our way of life as Americans. And I think we need to be adults in this room and say the coronavirus risk will never be equal to zero. And we have got to find a way through epidemiology and economics to minimize both the economic costs and the biological risks at the same time. That's what I've been a fan of. That's what I've been an advocate of. We cannot continue to tell people, shelter in place, stay in your home forever. We need a phase two and a better plan for how we deal and mitigate with these risks going forward. Do you wish you'd said it differently? Did it come out the wrong way? 
Look, ultimately, we have got to get across to the American people that there is not going to be a moment in Indianapolis in a month when somebody blows a whistle and says, that's all gone, it's past. We will live with this coronavirus risk being non-zero for a long time to come. And I want to make sure that we also have an economy that empowers Americans to find opportunity, that enables them to feed their families, that enables them to be able to educate their children, that enables them to be able to go to church. And we've got to weigh those costs against the biological risks as well and ensure that policymakers offer Americans a better answer than just stay at home and hope this goes away. Randy Schmidt, who's the president of the Indiana Alliance for Retired Americans Educational Fund, called your remarks, quote, outrageous and dangerous and said you're willing to sacrifice the most vulnerable Hoosiers, including seniors and essential workers, so wealthy corporations can go back to making record profits. In his words, he said your callous cruelty must stop, end quote. What's your response to Randy and his group, the Indiana Alliance for Retired Americans? Randy should reach out and talk to some of the Hoosiers all the way across the district that are really and genuinely hurting, that have trouble feeding their families, that are having trouble getting their businesses through this difficult time after they've invested their life savings in that, that are having trouble understanding why they can't help educate their children, why they can't go to church. And he needs to understand that there is real costs attached to this. And I have been a strong advocate from day one of making sure we protect those that are most susceptible to this disease. But we also have to ensure that we enable our way of life to continue, knowing that it, the risk is never going to be zero. We will live with this for a very long time, and we have to ensure that we develop a plan You've taken a lot of heat, though, for those comments. Are, are you surprised at the reaction to your interview with WIBC? I'm not surprised. I continue to talk about how we must elevate the conversation beyond the two corner solutions of you have to stay in your home and accept that your job won't be there in the future or you go out and die. We owe Americans a better solution than just those two corner solutions. And I think with the best of epidemiology, the best of economics, this country is best suited to develop that pathway forward to return to as much of our way of life that we value as we can. All right, Congressman Trey Hollingsworth in an interview with me earlier this week. Late this week, we also heard from both of Indiana's senators, Todd Young and Mike Braun, on this topic of reopening the economy and the debate over who has the authority to make that move. Well, obviously, I, I want our public health officials uh, to strongly inform any policy responses. And uh, I've been gratified that here at the state level that has been the case. The president also has uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci in particular out front. And, and, and so that's, that's uh, imperative. But I also want to make sure that uh, we factor into our overall uh, calculations uh, the, the impact that a down economy can have on people's health. I think it's important for governors, even that generally don't, like the president's point of view or don't like his uh, approach towards things, I think he's got it right on this one, that uh, each state will be a little different. Uh, this will actually be implemented by the governors. Uh, so he'll need to be working with them to try to do what he's wanting them to do. And he needs to respect their knowledge of the lay of the land in terms of how this is going to unfold in the trenches. All right. In recent days, we also caught up with Congressman Larry Bouchon and Andre Carson, who spoke with our D.C. correspondent Trevor Shirley. 
we've seen kind of how the states to a certain extent have been forced essentially to bid against one of one another for equipment supplies do you feel like indiana and indianapolis specifically is getting what it needs to hopefully stave off uh, that classification of an emerging hotspot we've been working with governor holcomb and his team we've been working with the mayors and state and local officials as as a congressional delegation to see to it that their needs are met uh, it's an ongoing struggle but i think that you know indiana is one of those states well where while we have partisan differences we still come together as hoosiers at the end of the day are you concerned about the possibility of opening things back up too soon we've seen that in other countries where they've done that and then there's been another wave in terms of cases yeah i don't think there's a right answer to the question honestly from a medical standpoint uh, it's a very it's a very difficult thing to assess you know we're seeing this week that some of the modeling is continually changing downgrading the number of deaths expected for example and that's because they're relying on data and that's all we have right and that's what you have to rely on whatever a model is put in place of course whatever you put in is what comes out the other end so you know everybody's working in good faith to try to make sure that the models are correct and the estimates are correct but at the end of the day things like what happens in the state of new york and how that works out in new jersey is really going to help us understand the possibilities in the rest of the country all right. Meantime, the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus is shining a light on the disproportionate impact this virus seems to be having on African-Americans in our state and beyond. This week, Kayla Sullivan spoke with members of the caucus and with former state health commissioner and candidate for governor Woody Myers. Indiana's black population is roughly 10 percent. The latest statistics show nearly 18 percent of COVID-19 Hoosier patients are African-American. The percentage of black people dying from the disease in Indiana is 20.9. There are many reasons attributing uh, to these numbers, including but not limited to a lack of quality health care access, a lack of health insurance, prior chronic health conditions. The caucus also listed other factors like systematic racism, poverty, food and pharmacy deserts, lack of transportation to testing, and a greater chance of a black person being an essential worker at this time. We have laid out eight recommendations, and we're starting with a health disparity task force. Some of the other recommendations include testing and triage centers placed in black neighborhoods, resources to purchase medication, and more racial data on all major chronic illnesses. We've already had health disparities before with these chronic illnesses, but now in a time that we are in a severe health crisis, I think the government will be more apt to say, okay, maybe we do need more funding for these public health. Maybe we do need to start collecting racial data at all times. The current COVID-19 racial data in Indiana isn't exact. 19.2% of COVID-19 cases are marked as an unknown race. This is real data. This is real life. And we can't continue to, to go down that road uh, with blinders uh, on each side of our, our eyes that, that, that these issues are not important to uh, our, our communities. Former state health commissioner and Democratic candidate for Indiana Governor Dr. Woody Myers says other states are doing better addressing this problem. Illinois, New York, California are the ones I look to as, uh, as leaders uh, and uh, those that have uh, approached this uh, more directly. There's no exact cost estimate for these suggestions. The IBLC says similar proposals were denied in the past, but there's a better chance now. These are abnormal times. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan.
Also this week, state election officials finalizing plans for the state's primary now pushed back to June with details now in place for some in-person voting and expanded absentee voting. The Election Commission met virtually Friday. Earlier this week, I spoke with both state party chairmen. So anyone who wants to across the state can, can vote by absentee mail ballot at this point in time. I'm really looking now at, you know, the in-person early voting and in-person voting on Election Day. You know, I, th I think, you know, there is just a, a real desire from a lot of folks that we've been hearing from to be able to have an in-person option. You know, this is, this is, in my view, one of the ultimate essential services. Um, the, the cornerstone of our democracy is, is to be able to cast your ballot. You guys made the difficult decision this week to cancel your state party convention. Walk us through that decision and uh, the implications of that here in an election year. Well, we uh, didn't cancel it as much as we just moved formats. So uh, we are required to have a state convention under state law. Uh, and so we made the decision, uh, which I will agree is uh, it may be a little difficult to uh, move the format to a virtual one. Uh, we have met in person. I, I don't think there's ever been a virtual convention for the state Democratic Party, but that's how we're going to do it this year. All right, Republicans also considering a virtual option. No decision yet. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, what are Hoosier voters saying about the president and governor's response to this crisis? We'll be back right after this. All right, it's time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us this week, Robin Winston, Mike Murphy, Laura Beck, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Democratic strategist Laura Beck. Laura, your thoughts on some of the progress we're making here amidst more political controversy for the White House and also for Indiana Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, who faced a lot of criticism for his remarks this week. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And it's nice to see everyone today um, virtually, including including Tony Samuel um, and his uh, With the beard, beard. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's really been interesting to see how Indiana is handling this as opposed to other states. Um, definitely was a, has been a good week, and we can see that in the poll numbers for Governor Holcomb. Um, he appears to be really handling this situation well, um, and I say that in a bipartisan way as, as a Democrat. But I also think that we're seeing um, some real political fallout, um, especially across uh, with Trey Hollingsworth. Um, he really stepped in it last week. I, I just don't think there's a better way to put it. Um, showed his true colors. And frankly, if I were looking at running for Congress down there, I would, I would be making some pay out of his comments. We have seen, though, uh, some of these uh, you know, protests, the protests outside the governor's residence this week, people who want to see the, the economy opened up, the president tweeting this week, liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota. I want to turn to 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. Tony, your thoughts on all this? Thanks, Dan. Um, well, a couple of things. Um, the president has led on this discussion that we've got to get the economy uh, open again, that we've got to get people working. There are all kinds of uh, also health uh, expenses uh, to our society um, with mental health concerns, people losing uh, work and pay and, and have, struggling to get food on the table. So he's been leading on this and now he's he's uh, put out a, a very structured, very logical uh, plan to phase in states depending on who's looking better, whose numbers are looking better. So I think he's uh, right on the mark again, uh, as far as Trey Hollingsworth and the, these movements uh, that we're seeing in a lot of states uh, where people are frustrated uh, by what they perceive as an overreach. And they have every right to, uh, to, to, to speak 
uh, and, and to, to, to petition the government to, uh, to, to scale back. And that's what's going to be happening. It's going to be happening in time. Trey um, was also trying to lead on that discussion. His words were taken out of context. I don't think he'll be in any trouble. He's a great guy. He's a great leader. He's doing a great job serving those people. And he wanted to talk legitimately about the costs of mitigating. We can't uh, do this forever. We can't keep our economy closed, both the president and Trey and, and most Republicans, I think all Republicans and even all uh, Democrats are realizing that we have to get the economy working. Now we've got a plan and it's it's going to uh, be health driven, data driven, uh, and, and it's the right thing to do to face this. I, I want to turn now to former state party chairman for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, your thoughts uh, on all this this week? Well, first off, I think we need to commend our healthcare workers who are doing a tremendous job each day. Uh, Trey Hollingsworth's remarks were, they may have been taken out of context, but they were his remarks. And it's an affront to the people in New Albany that have people that are in nursing homes and senior centers that are uh, relying upon quality care now. The people at Schneck in, uh, in Seymour, the folks at White River Township in Johnson County, the firefighters that had to be quarantined after some had been stricken by COVID-19. I think we should not be insensitive now to not only the health impact, but the economic impact. I do agree that we need to get people back to work. You go to Northwest Indiana, our blast furnaces at our mills are closed down for now. But I think we ought to be reasonable about doing that and responsible about doing that. And I've seen, quite frankly, uh, news at 11, I guess here, Governor Holcomb has done a good job in articulating uh, what he's trying to do in the state. All right, let's finally, let's hear from GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy there. Mike, uh, yeah. your response to all of that? Well, I love the world that Tony lives in. I wish I could live in that world because it's so rosy all the time. <laughs> the fact is that Trump said that to leave it up to the governors several weeks ago, and then earlier this week said, I have total control at all times. He was smacked down by every constitutional expert in America, including many of his Republican senators. And now he's saying liberate Michigan, Minnesota, and whatever state that was. And the, our own governor is going to have a protest against him tomorrow in front of his house. So is he saying liberate Indiana from Governor Holcomb? I'll tell you, I have tremendous faith in Governor Holcomb. I would not want to be in his shoes right now. He's on the hot spot, doing a great job. Much more faith in Governor Holcomb's plans than the president. Well, let's look at some of these poll numbers uh, relating to Governor Holcomb and President Trump here in the state of Indiana. Uh, these numbers just out from Change Research, 63% approving of Governor Holcomb's response to this coronavirus crisis, just 23% disapprove. And here's how Hoosiers viewed the president's response, 49% approved, 49% disapproved. Tony, I'll, I'll let you uh, take this on first. Well, sure. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I do live in a pretty good world. I've got uh, a great wife and great kids that are uh, my uh, studio audience here today. And uh, and I, I, I support a president who's doing a, a great job uh, overall in something that we have never seen in our lifetime before. Uh, those poll numbers um, are a reflection of, of the media and pundits uh, at the national level beating up on the president. The, Governor Holcomb is doing a great job and he deserves uh, the credit that he's getting, but the, the the president as well. And nobody could have put together the public-private partnerships that he has. Uh, and, and look at his um, uh, uh, making note of what's happening in Kokomo, Indiana, at the GM plant that is delivering on on ventilators. And uh, the president, 
Yeah, he, he mentioned that specifically uh, this week uh, in one of his uh, White House uh, addresses there as well. Uh, meantime, exactly. he's delivered on everything that governors have wanted, especially when you look at, at Governor Cuomo in New York. And these governors have given him praise throughout. Um, yeah, there are always things that, that you can find to criticize in any, especially in any crisis. But overall, he's, he's delivering for the American people. Laura? Oh, I mean, I completely disagree. Um, I mean, I, I can't disagree more, frankly. Um, I think his poll numbers would be much higher if he uh, didn't hog the uh, hog the cameras during his um, during his briefings every evening, and he actually let let the scientists, let the doctors, let the other people drive the drive this. Um, he has uh, really exhibited uh, reckless behavior, particularly with these liberate tweets that he just put out. Um, because it's 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 he is inflaming and inciting people and what he's doing when he inflames and he incites is he ultimately puts public safety workers um and he puts other people at risk and so that has been really concerning um uh, incredibly concerning but yeah i i just couldn't agree more i think he he dropped the ball on this he stands up and lies at these briefings he turns it into a show so if you want to get any data, any helpful information for how you adapt to your life, you don't even watch him. You watch your governor, you watch your mayor, you watch your local health department. And that's really where we're seeing the, um, where we're really seeing the heroes in this. Okay. It's in those local health departments, those local hospitals, those local services, and those state services, okay. as opposed to what we're seeing on the federal response. We're going to have to leave it there, but we will have much more on our podcast. Laura, Mike, Tony, Robin, thank you so much. Coming up next, this Sunday in focus, some emotional moments in Indianapolis to remember a fallen police officer. Stick around. We'll be right back. Emotional moments this week at IMS as the community paused to remember fallen officer Bree Leith. Governor Holcomb and Mayor Hogg said among those speaking at her funeral on Thursday. We'll see you again next week.